Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all my baggage droppers around the world, welcome to another episode of the Drop Your Baggage Podcast, brought to you by me, your host, Charles Woolfork, and the incredible Brendan Kumarasamy. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are on YouTube or podcast platform or Facebook, please consider hitting the subscribe button and give me a like. And if you're out there on a podcast, consider giving a brother five stars. I'd really appreciate that and some feedback. And this is a podcast where we uh, talk to people that are dope, that can give you hope and also teach you a technique that can help you cope. And today we are here with Brendan Kamarasamy. But first, thank you so much to our sponsors. We are sponsored by Brienne and Company, a, a jewelry boutique who makes durable minimalist jewelry and has ju- uh, genuine pearls, local shells and sea glass, natural gemstones and precious metals. And she also has quality handcrafted designs. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Brienne and Co. And you can always, always get to her at BrienneandCo.com or her Instagram is always popping at Brienne and Company. And now to our guests, ladies and gentlemen, our main man right here is from Montreal, and he has been into case competition since he was a kid. And that's like pro sports for nerds. It's like it's like combat sports for nerds. That's right there. (laughs) Apply competition for speaking and presentation. And now he helps people become more comfortable with speaking and his, he believes that communication is super important. And now he has built an amazing YouTube page called Master Talk. And Master Talk is being the bridge between ideas. And he's doing outstanding on Clubhouse. Ladies and gentlemen, this amazing full-time coach I bring to you, Brendan Kamarasamy. What's up, Brendan? What's up, Charles? How are you, man? Good, man. I had to do it a lot calmer that time so I wouldn't break my, my laptop. Ladies and gentlemen, um, my laptop uh, broke on me last time I did that, so I didn't want to get too crunk on it this last time. So, Brendan, what got you into case competitions in the first place and and, uh, started developing your communication skills like you have been doing? Yeah, absolutely, brother. So when I was in university, uh, to your point, I started doing these things called case competitions, mostly to get a job, not really out of passion or because I loved them. Or because people love doing presentations every single day, right? But mostly because most people who do these competitions end up getting multiple job offers in corporate after their degrees are over. So I told myself, you know, my mother didn't have a lot of money growing up. Neither did my dad. So I said, if I go to business school and I do these competitions, I'll be really successful. So I started doing them. And as I got better at them, I slowly got obsessed with them. So I started doing them for fun, probably in year two. And I also started coaching other people on communication, mostly because no one could afford a speech coach. Like no one had the money for one Mm -hmm. in uni. So I started coaching these individuals. And that's how I gained the skill. In other words, I accidentally became a great communication coach without Mm -hmm. ever wanting to be one. So that after I graduated from university, I just had the idea to start making videos in my mom's basement on public speaking one thing led to another and here we are man so you started out like eight mile yeah. <laughs> no nothing never mind uh so, <laughs> so like how many of those competitions have you won one not a lot actually really i, I think i've only so i've competed in around 50 
pa. I've probably only won three or oh, four. Wow. wow. Yeah, a lot of these competitions are highly subjective, as I'm supposed to say, given my track record. <laughs> a lot of the people I coached won a lot, though. <laughs> so tell me about Master Talk then. What's, what's, uh, what's Master Talk and what is, what is it all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Master Talk started mostly just as an idea to just help people who couldn't afford a speech coach. I would just make these videos to help people learn. But now as I've gotten more traction, I've really refined the idea. Master Talk today is a way for me to be a bridge between everyone's ideas. How do I take public speaking communication information and teach it to the world? Because I think the next Elon Musk, Charles, is probably some seven-year-old girl in Cambodia who can't really afford a speech coach. So by creating these free resources, as she grows up, she'll grow up watching to me and watching my videos so that when she's Elon in 20 years, or a better version, hopefully, she's going to be an exceptional communicator too. Amen. Amen. So like, what are some of the skills that you really emphasize on Master Talk? So a bunch of things. But if I were to summarize it in one word, Charles, it would be practicality. What is the practicality behind communication, how you actually do it? Because most of the time we hear advice like, you know, Charles, you should be yourself. You should just get up on stage and speak. And none of that's really layered in practicality. Like, what do we actually do step by step? Mm -hmm. One example of those that I teach in the channel is called the random word exercise. So the random word exercise, and I'm happy to demonstrate this if you want, is you pick a random word, like any word, sofa, lights, doorknob, and you make a presentation out of thin air. And what this does is it develops your confidence over time so that when you're presenting to anybody on any subject, you're not really scared of communication and public speaking anymore. 100%. Um, I am a member of Toastmasters over here on the island of Kauai, and we have... Um, we have table topics to where we'll choose a random subject and we just got to talk about it. So yeah, let's go ahead and, and, and uh, do one of those. You ready? Let's do it, man. And on a side note, super cool that you're in like Hawaii and at Toastmasters in Hawaii. It's kind of like, is that like an Island edition? Like, <laughs> like <palm trees>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like picturing this. Cool. Honestly, we did a, we did have meetings in a store that was just had nothing but flip-flops in it. It was pretty awesome. Flip-flops and sandals. Um, but like I got third place in 2000 and 2018 in the state for uh, the Toastmasters competition for the, for, so I was, I was like, okay, then, you know, it's not too bad, but it's nothing compared to what, what you're doing. All right. So what I want to do, um, I, let's just take the word biscuit and you can go ahead and I'll give you a minute and you can do a presentation on biscuits. All right. Here I go. All right. You know, as I start my Sunday morning, a lot of people ask me how I start that day. Oh, Brenda, do you drink orange juice? Do you have a, a nice little breakfast? And I always say no. I always start my day with a nice biscuit. <laughs> people ask me why. Why do you start your day with a biscuit? Because a biscuit is not just a dog's favorite treat. <laughs> it is a way of getting started with the world's most simplest things. Biscuits carry so much peace in the way that we live our lives. 
next to a nice cup of tea, next to a nice cup of coffee. It's simple, it's digestible, but it allows us to remember those special moments in our life. So the next time you're having tea with someone that you love, don't forget the biscuits because it allows you to enjoy a small little meal and enjoy the simplicities that life has to offer. That was just an example. That was phenomenal. First of all, that was very impressive. Why am I surprised? I don't know why I'm surprised at all. The, um, I mean, everything within that, you added humor, you told a story, you gave an anecdote, you, you gave everything in that, that short amount of time. Very impressive. Of course. I mean, it's what you do. So now you've made Master Talk into a business. Tell us about that transition from it just being something that you made it to your mom or the, the uh, videos that you made in your mom's basement to now it becoming uh, the beginning of an empire. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. I appreciate it. <laughs> but, you know, one thing I'll also say for those of for those who are listening who got scared of the random word and how I did it, you know, people need to understand that I've practiced this 3000 times and I'm not exaggerating that number over the span of six years that I've been doing this. But what I'll also say is it's not that hard to do the exercise 3,000 times. Why is that? Because each time you do the exercise, it only takes you a minute. So if you do it five times a day, which is five minutes, not five hours, like literally five minutes, and you do that five times every day for a year, you'll have done the exercise almost 2,000 times. And that's the key, is when people start with this exercise, Charles, it usually sounds something more like this. Uh, like a biscuit is a... It's like it's something that you eat. and then, But then as you get better and as you do it more, you start to get a bit more creative. You start to have a lot more fun with the exercise. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people, just do it five minutes a day. I'm not asking you to do it for seven hours. And over time, you build that muscle. In terms of the question about how it turned into an empire, I don't think it's an empire yet, but it grew and evolved by accident. Because as my YouTube channel was growing and I started attending these live events, a lot of people started asking me if I coached people. And I'd always reply with, for money? They said, yeah, like we'll pay you money to coach us. So I said, okay. Then one client led to another. And then soon after, I had a, a lot of clients. <laughs> and I had a great business partner who kind of helped me structure it, price it the right way. Mm-hmm. So I was able to replace a, a big portion of my income probably two years into doing Master Talk and into corporate. And that's what led for me to, to jump the ships. I don't really have anything to lose. I don't really have a mortgage or kids or anything like that. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thank you, brother. What other like what other pieces of Master Talk do you see now? Like, do you ex- want to experience like making online courses or conferences or things of that nature? Like, what's next for Master Talk? Yeah, I would say for me, the immediate thing is definitely scaling the coaching business mm-hmm. to a level where it's sustainable, where it's I can guarantee that I never have to go back to corporate. That's probably the, the main focus for me these days. But I would say long term, what I'm super excited about is to see someone on the world stage was communication expertise. Because when we think about the Joe Dispenses of the world, when we think about the Marissa Peers of the world, the Lewis Houses, the Gary V's, when we think of public speaking, there's not really somebody who fits that mold yet the closest person that i could think of is dale carnegie but dale carnegie has passed away for for a very long time so that's 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 the thing i'm the most excited about is going on different podcasts like this one 
and really just sharing the message of master talk and public speaking, because I think anyone could be an exceptional communicator. And that's really the thesis behind what I do, because my whole life I struggled with communication. You know, my French is my second language and I grew up in a French education system. So every presentation I gave, not only was I scared of them, like most of us, I had to present them in a language I didn't even know. Right. So if I could do it, why can't anyone else? Amen. Amen. What do you think is one of the biggest barriers for people to become more effective communicators? I would say the biggest barrier, which is not anyone's fault, is the education system. And I'll explain why. Every presentation you've delivered in your life, for people who are listening mostly, not you, because you really love what you do, but for most people, it's mandatory. You don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Charles, you want to get breakfast and present all day? <laughs> Says nobody. Mm-hmm. right? So whether it's at school or whether it's at work, and let's touch on school a bit more because that's where we learn all the habits and how to present. Let's break this down for everyone, shall we? So number one, you never get to pick the topic. So it's never, hey, Charles, what are you excited to present about? Do you like NLP? Do you like podcasting, sports? What do you like? No, it's uh, Charles. You got to talk about Shakespeare. You like Shaku? Shaku. So you got to do this history presentation or some random thing. Number two is the presentation is always changing. So it's never, hey, Charles, let's work on this one presentation for three months together and make sure that's absolutely perfect so that you're comfortable with communication. And it's, hey, Charles, uh, presentation on Shakespeare. By the way, you got like three days to do it. And then you have to go give another presentation on Cleopatra and some other class. So people aren't really focused on developing themselves from a presentation perspective. The third piece is this idea of punishment, where if you don't do a good job, Charles, in this presentation, you're going to get a lower grade. Or when you go to corporate and work, hey, Billy, when you don't go do a good job in this presentation, that promotion you wanted, yeah, you're not going to get it. So there's a lot at stake versus just saying, hey, it's okay. Just keep presenting it. You'll get better over time. Never happens in the education system. So what's the conclusion, Charles? The conclusion is we see public speaking like a chore. It's kind of like doing the dishes, right? And who wants to get better at doing the dishes? Nobody. And that's the biggest barrier for people. Amen. Wow. The What skills were corporate looking for when you went, when it started going into corporate? As a job? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would say for me, the biggest thing that they were looking for was definitely the interview process. Can you structure ideas and communicate those ideas in a powerful way? So I'll give you a live example. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people interview for jobs, they always lose on the most important question, which is tell me about yourself. So in tell me about yourself, most people answer like this. Um, yeah, so hi, Charles. Um, my name is Brendan, and I'm really excited to be here and have some work experience. And just they're like, oh, man, this is not the person for the job. Versus someone who's very structured, understands who they are and why they want the gig. So, Brendan, tell me you know, who you are. Tell me about yourself. So it sounds something more like this. Hi, my name is Brendan Kumar Sami. If there's anything that you take away from today's interview is that I help other people achieve rocket level success. And there's three key experiences that have helped me achieve this vision that I'm personally excited about and why I think I'd be an excellent fit for this organization and the role that you've proposed in this interview. So that's very structured. One, two, three, go mm-hmm. into those details. But right off the gate, somebody's going to say, whoa, 
this person's here to win. Mm-hmm. This person really wants the job. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's the biggest challenge for people. It's not knowledge. Everyone's smart. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you're taking time to listen to what we have to say. You're probably someone who wants to work on yourself. You're probably someone who wants to push the boundaries of what's possible. So knowledge is never the issue. Structure always is. Hey, man. So structure, repetition. So what I've got from what you have been saying so far is structure, repre- uh, uh, repetition, the reformation of the um, of education by making presentations um interesting for the kids or or better yet having them choose something that they're interested in and not making it punishable but maybe giving some constructive feedback on how they can communicate better and um also having fun it sounds like having fun is a big part of it all absolutely man i'll I'll even give you more layer on that because i coach kids mostly for give back pro bono and what i do with them is i get on individual calls with all of my little kiddos and I go, what are you the most excited about? What do you like? And they go, oh, I like soccer. I like football, I like basketball. And I go, cool, make a presentation on that. That's one. The second thing is I make them give feedback to each other. So I talk very little, which is the opposite of the education system, mm-hmm. where the teacher is talking most of the time. Here it's more like Billy, Sandra presenting. And I go, Billy, what did you think of Sandra's presentation? And Billy's like six years old. And it's going, oh, well, you could work on this. And they start giving feedback to each other. So they start having shared accountability for this presentation. Mm. And then the third piece is the facilitator. Always high energy, always in a good mood, always happy to be there. So for them, for the kids, it becomes a conversation of not letting the facilitator down. Mm. So they start putting a lot of work in. But how this translates to adults, to make this more practical if people are listening, (laughs) is... You want to practice one presentation a hundred times. So even if you're working in corporate and your presentations might change, always ask yourself, what is one topic that you're excited about to teach to other people? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be you're on a stage in front of 10,000 people. It just needs to be, you know, Brendan, I lost 30 pounds in the last 40 days with the help of my coach. And they go, perfect. Why don't you make a presentation on that? So for you, let's say the feedback, and let's say I was coaching you, it would be, hey, Charles, why don't you make a presentation on your podcast, like on Drop the Baggage? And then what you do is you, you ship that presentation to different universities. You actually show up and you talk about your podcast. And that way, you're excited about making that presentation better, but also be it selfishly benefits you too, because more people can find out about the show. Easy win-win. Mm, boom. I love it. Ah! a beast the um and i love what you're doing with the kids because the best amount of personal development that i've ever gotten was getting constructional um or video constructive feedback from my toastmaster speeches and also my speeches that i did when i became a trainer of neurolinguistic programming so being able to put my ego to the side and actually listen to someone without feeling like i'm not good enough or fear of rejection or fear of judgment with those being to the side and then in in the long run dwindling to pretty much nothing now it has helped me become a more confident person and that's exactly what you're doing with those kids so that's pretty exciting man what's the biggest benefit that you've seen as far as uh, doing that with the kiddos i mean the biggest benefit is definitely fulfillment Hmm. but i would say the other piece of that 
is it's it's always funny because I coach their parents, right? Mm-hmm. So it's always funny in week 12, we bring all the parents in mm-hmm. and we have them watch the kids and it's super inspiring for them mm-hmm. because they're always, co- not, they're not complaining, but they always go, oh, communication is so hard, so challenging. And they're like 20 years into corporate mm-hmm. and they watch their kid just present something flawlessly and they go, mm. I should probably put more effort in this. <laughs> <laughs> so... You you make them like rethink everything that they they thought about communication. You 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 make people see that like like what you believe that commu- communication is super important. And as a society nowadays, um, I think that it would definitely bridge the gap between our ideas coming together, and so we can make a more peaceful world. I mean, especially right now with a world that's so divided. If we were able to express ourselves. Um, more clearly and with a, a bit more, um, not just fluency, but more a bit more elegance, then we'd be able to see from each other's point of views and be able to, to um, like I said, come together for the betterment of everyone. Is is, is that like so? What's your the the like? What do you want to do on a grand scale as far as Master Talk is concerned in your coaching program? Your, your direction is definitely accurate, Charles. So what's interesting about communication, this is why I'm excited about it, hmm. is if somebody created a platform like what Gary Vee is doing in social media and business, mm-hmm. but for only public speaking, what happens is more people who really want the transformation but just can't afford a coach because they're like 14 years old or something, mm-hmm. they'll watch those videos, get really good really fast. And as these communicators get really good, all of the best ideas will get shared. I can pretty much guarantee right now, Charles, there's a lot of amazing good ideas that we've never heard of. Mm. Not because those ideas don't exist, but because the person who has the idea is not willing to voice it. Mm. That's the challenge. That's the issue. We We don't have a lack of talent in this game. We have a lack of expression of talent. Mm. How do we express our gifts in a way that people can hear them. Because if I wasn't a good communicator, well, it would double whammy for me because I, I am a communication coach, so I better. But let's say I was running a company as an example, like a, like an Elon Musk type company. If he can't communicate why this matters to other people fast enough, it's going to be much harder for him to raise capital, to get customers, to inspire other people to work for him or her. And that's the power of communication, the catalyst that brings everything else together, that puts all the puzzle pieces together. It's kind of like the sticky glue that you need mm-hmm. to be successful. So yeah, the grand scheme of things is for, for my clients to just be those geniuses. You are a beast, dog. I love it, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, like everything that you do is so inspiring. And you're only 25. So it's like you have the best amount of potential to do so much more. I mean, by the age of 35, 45, like, like your trajectory is just like a, a, a skyrocket. You know, and speaking of Elon Musk, it's just like that. It's like one of his rockets going into space. <laughs> in the space. Hey, it's, it's gonna blow up a couple of times on Earth. If we're getting this. <laughs> I hope not. God dang. Hey, so on the Drop Your Baggage podcast, we not only talk to people that are dope that can give you hope, but also we teach you a technique that can help you cope. Now. What I love doing and a technique that has been most effective for myself and my clients is the mental and emotional release process 
where I help people get rid of their negative emotions, limiting beliefs and insecurities in minutes. And if you are interested in doing something like this, what we do here on the podcast, please contact a certified practitioner of neurolinguistic programming. Or if you want to have to find out more about it, you can go to eliminatinginsecurities.com. Once again, that is eliminatinginsecuritiesnow.com. Once again, you can go to eliminatinginsecuritiesnow.com and learn so much more about it. And also, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a social worker. So this is just an alternative to all those healthy things that you can do for your mindset. Just letting you know that, Brendan, so you don't sue me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, finally, like I was, I was waiting for that, that, that other part of you to come out. I love it. Hey, so, so, um, today you said you wanted to release the fear of heights and I got on them before this y'all. I was like the fear of heights. Like, are you somewhere that has heights? He was like, no, I was like, now how are we going to test it? But your reaction when you talked about heights, for example, Tell everybody about that experience that you had when you were 15 years old. Absolutely. I'm happy to talk. About and before I do, I'll give you credit so people have this on record. What's up? Charles did a really good job pulling this out of me because, <laughs> and I wasn't even trying to be resistant about it. Yeah. I was genuinely thinking, and he asked me the right questions, and I was able to figure out where the origin was. So kudos to you, man. So yeah, so when I was 15, Charles, mm. I, I went to this, this tower called the CN Tower in Toronto. Mm -hmm. It's like, for those who don't have the context, it's like in Canada, it's a country north of the uh, United States. It's like this really tall tower. And my cousin wanted me to go with him. He's like a couple of years, my, my senior. So I said, okay, sure. We never travel. We always go see family. So might as well go to this tower thing. So I was having fun up until he said, hey, let's go up to the top. And I just said, oh, okay, I don't have money. He's like, no worries, I'll pay you. Both of us like, okay, well, that excuse didn't work. And so we went up and I was fine, I was fine, I was fine. And then I started looking at this guy and I was like, oh, I'm not fine, I'm not fine. <laughs> so I went up all the way to the top and I was okay for just a second until he showed us the glass ceilings. For those who know what the glass ceilings are, so the CN Tower has a feature, a benefit, a tourist attraction <laughs> called the called the called the glass ceiling. What that is. It's basically a part of the CN Tower where it's just glass. Mm. It's hard glass. You can't break through it. But if you stand on top of the glass and you look down, you, just thinking about it scares the crap out of me. You, you literally see like uh, 50,000 kilometers, whatever the number is, and you're just, you, you think you're going to die. And obviously my cousin being the amazing human being that he has started jumping up and down to freak me out. And let's just say I didn't last on the glass ceiling too long. <laughs> I was there for like 20 seconds and I just ran back out. I was like, when is the last time that you um, like experienced that fear of heights? The last time. Oh, like ever since today. Yeah. Yeah. For, like, I, I would probably say a few months ago. So um, uh, my friend has, uh, what is it? He owns a penthouse, uh, not mm -hmm. a penthouse. Sorry, he has his own apartment. Mm -hmm. And at the top, there's the penthouse. So I always hang out there and I'm always, I'm always game to go, but always, I always do it. I don't know why I do it. I always look outside. And I look at, I go, Oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> and then you see, all the, and then I quickly go back and I sit, I sit in a very comfortable spot where I don't get to see the down below. Mm -hmm. That literally freaks me out as we're talking. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, man, that was the probably the last time. But yeah, I, I try. I mean, because of fear, I I always try and avoid heights. 
So you I only I only go on heights when it's there, for example. Understood. Understood. All right. That is such a good one, man. I didn't think it was going to work, but I am so excited. And you're one of the people that I want to get back to like right away. As soon as you go to like the penthouse or somewhere with heights, I really, really want to have you back on the show just to get the results of that ASAP. Because usually we deal with things that are like like this morning. I had a, a woman that dealt with shame or fear or like anger so those are very visceral like feelings that you you have that you can release right away as soon as you change your um consciousness around them but fear of heights it's like you need it around you know you need that around so no worries no worries we're going to change your uh, consciousness around your fear of heights um but right now i want to let you know that you only have to do three things in order for you to have a profound experience number one you need to use your imagination Number two, you need to follow directions. Now, this is very important. Uh, in order for you to have a great experience, you need to make sure that you follow every word that I say because I've revised it so you can have the best experience ever. So if you do your own thing, you're going to screw it up. <laughs> so following directions is very important. Cool? Got it. And number three is to trust the process. Know that I'm your guide. and I'm going to be leading you through this easily and effortlessly. Sounds good, man. Let's do it. Awesome. Now with your, um, we have to create your imaginary timeline. Now with your timeline, your past can be to your left, to your right or behind you. If you were to know where is your past, your past can be to your left, to your right or behind you. Where's your past? To your left. Where's your future? To your right. Just like mine. Look at that. Very linear. You know what I mean? Just, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and okay, cool. Let's get into it. Is it all right with your unconscious mind for you to release this fear of heights today and for you to be aware of it consciously? Absolutely. Awesome. What is we found out the root cause. So what is the root cause of this problem? The first event, which when disconnected, will cause this problem to disappear. Let's go ahead and uh, tell the audience about that, uh, where that fear of heights came from. Yeah, the, the fear of heights came from a story my mother used to tell me. So she, she grew up with eight other siblings, seven or eight. And there's one of her, her, her siblings was 13 when he died. And what happened was he was climbing up a, a tree and he was going after like a mango or a fruit and he accidentally fell, broke his head and died. Mm. So every time that I remember when I was a kid, every time that I would try and climb a tree or just touch a tree, my mom would freak out and say, don't climb, like don't climb the trees, don't, don't go high, right? Because my, my little brother is dead because of it. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a story I forgot for maybe 15, 17 years until we had a discussion ourselves. But yeah, that's the root cause. There it is. Now, with everything that we are going to be going through, the most important thing that you, um, the, the most important thing that we are going to be doing in this exercise is replacing the negative thought patterns and, with the positive thought patterns. So all the negativity that you see around an event you're not going to focus on that. You're going to focus on the positive thought patterns. And simultaneously, as you do that, it is going to release the negative emotions or the fear of heights from your subconscious mind and instill that those positive thought patterns. Understood? Sounds great. All right. So most importantly, what did you learn and have it from a lens of acceptance and compassion and empathy and true strength? Sure. I, I think for me, what I learned from that experience. Hold on. Hold oh, on. oh, is that not? We about to do it. You ready? Oh, sure. Gotcha. All right. Let's get it. So you can go ahead and close your eyes and relax. 
and let me know when you're ready for the process to drop your baggage. Let's do it. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above that first event in which you felt that fear of heights when you were just a little kid and your mom was talking to you. And just see that event, be the observer of that event. See yourself and your mom and all the surroundings of it and just hover above that event. Let me know when you can see yourself. Yeah, I can see myself. Awesome. Now stay right there, being the observer, the, uh, being the observer of the event. Now, just ask your unconscious mind what it needs to learn from the event. The learning of which will allow you to let go of the emotions easily and effortlessly. Your unconscious mind can preserve the learnings so that if you need them in the future, they'll be there. Just tell your unconscious mind to preserve the learnings. What is something positive and empowering you can tell yourself and your mom as a little kid and, and, your, and yourself as a little kid and your mom and everyone else involved in the event with the consciousness that you have today that will allow the emotions to evaporate like water on the concrete on a hot summer day. And as you preserve these learnings, the emotions are starting to dissipate more and more until they're all gone. Let me know when they're all gone. They're all gone. Awesome. Now, with your eyes closed and you hovering above that event, tell me, what positive thought patterns did you learn from that? Mm, I would say the biggest one is protection, right? You know, my mom was just saying those things to protect me, mm. to take care of me, to, uh, to make sure that I have a great life, to make sure that my life didn't end abruptly, to make sure I didn't take any risk. And that's empowering because I had a, a great mother and I still do. So that, that would be the big, the big lesson I got is, you know, like her protecting of me, but also understanding that um, that was preventing me from enjoying some of the amazing things about life, like seeing the great heights or seeing how our amazing world is, is built. That's what comes to mind. That's right. Awesome. Now, with you seeing that event as an adult, what can you take from that event and carry on with you in the future to help you with that fear of heights? I would say one thing I could take away from that, just looking at that event as a, as a third party is understanding that even if it was my mom's protective mechanism kind of coming out there mm. doesn't mean I need to apply that same protective mechanism on myself now that I'm an adult and I can make the right decisions and the right actions that will allow me to live the right life. So whenever that I see heights or whenever that I feel scared about heights, I don't need to worry about it as much because it, it was not me being scared of heights, but rather somebody else talking to me about or rather telling me a narrative about how I'm not supposed to be around there and that somebody else should be taking care of me or that, um, that something bad will happen to me. So it's a, I, I think one of those tips is like reacting or seeing the heights in a different way 
mm-hmm. like to enjoy life rather than um, rather than it being a protective mechanism that that was set. Love it. That's right. Awesome. Now, just imagine floating up above your timeline and float deeper and deeper and deeper into the past above the dinosaurs during the prehistoric age. Let me know when you're above the dinosaurs. Above the dinosaurs. Awesome. Now, as you're above the dinosaurs, float deeper and deeper into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. And imagine your timeline is the size of a fingernail. Let me know when you're there. And I'm there. All right. Now just float there, weightless, in space, and ask yourself now, where are the emotions? Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? They're not there. Awesome. Now float down inside the event. Sink to your own eyes as a little kid and check on the emotions. Tell me, are they there or have they disappeared now? Not there. Awesome. Float back above the dinosaurs and then float into space to where space and the atmosphere connects. Let me know when you're there. I'm there. All right. Listen closely, very closely. Float very, very high above your timeline, above each and every event in which you felt the fear of heights from birth until now in chronological order. Don't skip one event that has a charge on it. Preserve the learnings and let go of that fear of heights all the way back to now. Go. I'm done. Awesome. Float down into your body and open your eyes when you're ready. Welcome back. Damn, that was next level, man. (laughs) Where am I? (laughs) I told you, dog. I told you don't mess around, yo. Yo, some next level stuff. (laughs) Hey, how do you feel? Feel different. I'm different. Uh, I'm different. Anyway, um, two chains reference for all you guys that didn't know. The so, do you smell bacon? No. Okay, that's an NLP technique too. Can <laughs> can you remember a time in the past in which you used to feel that old emotion, and go back and notice if you can feel it, or you may find that you cannot. Dude, this is creepy. <laughs> Nope. Mm. I want you to go out into, I want you to imagine going out into the future to an unspecified time in the future in which if the same thing would have happened in the past, you would have felt a fear of heights, but it's the future now. So see if you can find that old emotion or you may find that you cannot. Some weird shit, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking about the penthouse. Uh Uh, I'm not scared anymore. But I don't understand why that is. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> so that makes sense, but it's working, man. <laughs> Dropped your baggage, dog. What'd I tell you? What'd I tell you? All right, man. I'll run <laughs> <it> back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Dude, Please. I wish I was lying to you, but uh, this is uh, working. <laughs> this is... <laughs> tell the audience how you feel. I don't. I, I think the best way of feeling. I feel like there's like a small weight off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like my hair is different too since <laughs> I closed my. Head. I don't know. <laughs> just uh, I, don't, I just feel more at ease. Like yeah. 
Like CN Tower. Looking down. It's not. Uh... No. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh... Yeah, man. I think I think you're gonna build a big business, man. This shit works. <laughs> hey, hey, y'all! The whole time he's been so cold with his words, right? It's the only time he's been speechless throughout this whole podcast. Yo. This is weird, man. Yep. CN Tower. It's yep. just, it's just uh, CN Tower. Uh, I can go there tomorrow. No, uh... <laughs> so you don't get the the feeling of anxiety. Well, I'm not gonna speak for you, but do you still get that same feeling of anxiety? that you felt before we did this exercise when you think about heights definitely not the the feeling we started with yeah definitely not uh so what you can't even so with you always having this do you find that it's harder to explain how it is because how you feel now because you just like have such a foreign feeling or or what is it that's that's like giving you the lack of words right now i don't know it's just weird it's just hard to believe Oh, I see. It's kind of like, um, like how am I not? I'm a very critical thinking kind mm-hmm. of person, so I always mm-hmm. go like, "How is this working?" Like I just mm-hmm. don't understand the logic behind it. So mm-hmm. I guess I, I was surprised because, like, one of the extras you did that really worked well, where where you you asked in the in the exercise, you said like, "What w- like what is the what is the lesson?" Mm-hmm. And then when you did it that way, and I was like a third-party person looking at myself as a six-year-old, looking at my mom, I was like, oh, yeah, the lesson is, is that my mom is very protective of, of me. As you said, she's worried. She's in a fr- she, You know, she took her first flight to Canada. And actually, sorry, her first flight ever in her life when she was 31. Wow. Right? Her first ever flight. Right? So when, when she came here, and I was born a year later. Like she's, you know, she's, you know, she's born in that, you know, that area. She's very scared. It's a new place. So she's very, you know, reserved, you know, very protective. That's what came up to me. Whereas I kind of just sat there and I just went, Hey, I really appreciate everything you did for me. It's just, it's just, uh, I can, but I can handle this one. Mm-hmm. Mm. I can handle this one. So, so the exercise, what I've seen about the exercise over the years is that it helps you uh, change your perspective, uh, to especially it changes your perspective and it changes your perspective to seeing people as those that you can look up to and take their words as law, if you will, and then see it as a, a place of compassion of humanity, looking at them as a spirit. So now instead of seeing this like, oh, this is my mom and she's always told me this, looking at her as a 31 year old that took her first plane ride when she was um, when she was 31, 31, a 31 year old that's taking her first plane ride, but also seeing (laughs) her as a woman that just wanted to do anything and everything to protect her baby. And you're like, I'm not that baby anymore. Exactly. Yeah. That's gangster. I never even thought about this. Some next level shit, man. It's like, because <laughs> what's interesting about this exercise, Charles, is is and I'll give myself a bit of credit here. I came to that conclusion for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, like for money. You know, I learned, hey, look, I need to manage it so I don't have a fear of money. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I should take control of this. Not, I did, but I didn't do it for heights. Like I never thought it was even a thing. 
Mm. Like I didn't even understand there was a link between the. And then when you said the word trees or something before we started, I was like, oh, there's like a link there. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't think to address that. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was a link to begin with. So, so man, you're going to be so much more powerful because of this one lesson, because you can, you see that there is with any fear, with any baggage that you have, there's always a link. And if you can connect the dots and take control of it, knowing the links and knowing the actions that were taken and seeing like how you can change your perspective to one of humanity and compassion and empathy and also looking at it from a rational mind, you can get rid of those limiting beliefs, those negative emotions, those triggers like that. Yeah, man, you're, you're doing, you're doing good work, man. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. <laughs> good good. I'll, I'll keep you posted. I yes. Mean, seems to be working. <laughs> I can't wait. When the next time you think you would go to the, your homie? Yeah, homie it's going to be in a while. That's going to be a while. Oh, but you go to UPW soon, yeah, though? Uh, yeah, right? Yeah, November. November. Is there any heights there? Where is it? It's in uh, Miami? Palm Beach. Palm Beach. I'm sure there's something around there. You could. <laughs> Excuse a... me. Uh, is there a height somewhere? <laughs> there's, a, there's a Ferris wheel. There's a there's a skyscraper, like a sky, skyscraper or something over there that you can definitely go up to and look out the window. You never know. If you felt like, you know, entertaining me in the audience by all <laughs> Please, that would be Wait. either way, though, whether the fear is gone or not, I definitely see like a 90% minimum decrease mm. because of the way you framed the problem. So now, even if I might, because I don't know, but even if there might be a small thing, I, I'm not feeling it currently. Let's say, even if there's the smallest fear, I could think about it from a different lens and just go, Well, I mean, it's just my mom protecting me. That's mm-hmm. so not really. Why am I scared of heights? It doesn't make sense. But then what about, what about, all right, tell us about how you feel about that time when you were 15 years old now compared to then. Like, I want to know about it now. Yeah, not, not scared anymore. Because I can picture myself in the glass ceiling now. Yeah. And I'm looking down. And I'm just like, well, it's not. <laughs> just not. Yeah. It's not. That's wild. But I don't understand why, though. You could viscerally see it, though, before on your face. Like, you said it out loud. Like, yeah, just think about it right now. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of awkward. I don't know what happened. (laughs) It's kind of awkward. It's been such a part of your life. It's been a part of your identity, if you will. Oh, I'm a person that's scared of heights. And now you're not. Yeah, it's just not. I'm not. I guess. (laughs) It's a bit hard to believe, Charles. I'll be honest, but uh, it's working, man. I'm the David Blaine of emotions, dog. What can you're I tell you, dog? Man. I'm telling you're you, so- man. You're something like Hawaiian David Blaine. <laughs> we eat like Hawaiian pizza. I'm not sure. Oh, no. That is blasphemous over here. I'm kidding. I'm that kidding. is blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get some uh, negative emotion out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned Hawaiian pizza will do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you so much for showing up for your divine appointment and having me pry and pick at you until you got to the root cause of that. That was awesome. That was that was super fun, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Um uh, what, give us some last uh, some some wise words for the crowd. Some last wise words for the crowd. Sure. And uh it's it's going to be something you probably didn't expect, but there's a favorite quote I always like to end with. I'll end with a book recommendation, the life advice. 
So the book recommendation is a, is a book called Thirst by Scott Harrison. So Scott Harrison's The Sea of Charity Water. I absolutely love the work he does. And his book is absolutely transformational for someone who's looking to make an impact. He details everything. And from the, the, uh, the area of my expertise, communication and public speaking, he's also a master of a storyteller. So it really teaches us how to make an impact and tell stories doing it. So I highly recommend the read to anybody. What is and Life again? Advice, Thirst by Scott Harrison. Thank you. Yeah. And the Life Advice, especially for those of you who have made it, what, an hour and 20 into this podcast, you're still listening. So I'll end with my favorite, my favorite quote, which is something I invented in my basement because I realized it rhymed. And the quote is, be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you want to make a difference, well, you want to do something important in your life, you almost need to be crazy. Crazy enough to come on a show like this and remove your fear of heights. Crazy enough to start a YouTube channel in your mom's basement when you're 22 and you don't have a communication degree. Crazy enough to still live in that mother's basement, not own a car, and dance alone in that basement for a few hours a day. And love Justin Bieber. I love Justin Bieber. He thinks he's amazing. <laughs> and it, it requires this crazy insanity. So I encourage all of you to question more and to really rethink where you are in life. And I think if you keep doing that, you'll eventually do something really cool with it. Love it. Where can everybody watch you, see you, learn from you? Give us your information out. Let me just say, this is as unique as it gets with content, what you guys got today. But if you want public speaking tips, definitely check out our YouTube channel, which is Master Talk in one word. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the Drop Your Baggage podcast. And just for your attention in general, I love you so much. Um, please consider hitting the like and subscribe button if you're on YouTube and Facebook. or if And if you're on uh, the podcast platform, consider keeping the brother five stars over here and give me some feedback. Uh, but until next time, <laughs> take care of yourself and take care of one another. Peace.